0: I was thinking when Linda was up here uh, sharing the need for little red fish, I don't know about you, but I grew up with sardines and uh, I thought that would be more appropriate for the kids if we brought in cans of sardines. Because that used to be my lunch. I would pack my lunch and I would have a 15 cent can of sardines and and, uh, uh, crackers. And uh, I would just tear that open and just fill the classroom with uh, that aroma. And I was nicknamed Sardaniel. And, uh, so, but, and that's, that's a true story, by the way. And I just, I, I loved it. And, uh, now, how many of you have eaten sardines or, yeah. Oh, we got a good group here. That's good. Now, let me see mustard versus oil. How many did the oil? How many of you are brave enough to do the mustard? Oh, you got, whoa, oh, we got an equal. I didn't do the mustard ones, I, they just, uh, just looked a little weird, too weird for me. Anyhow, well, we'll get to the sermon here, but it's just, you know, um, entitling this Love 1.0, and, and I'll tell you why in a moment as I mentioned before, The book of Romans, penned by the apostle Paul under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. If you look at the book of Romans, you can actually kind of divide it into two parts, and that that whole first part is just what the gospel is, what it is, and he lays out a a well, (laughs) um, you know, uh, defense of the gospel. The the Judaizers, you know, would have been offended by it. He's saying all these things. It's not the law. this freedom we have in christ and it's and it's by the grace of god and so you you hear that for eight chapters and it kind of is like a crescendo in chapter 8 because you hear the struggle in in chapter 7 of you know i i try to do good and i end up doing the wrong thing and i just mess up all the time and you 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 read that and then you you get towards the end and it's only through jesus christ obviously that we're able to overcome that. But chapter 8 really focuses on the Holy Spirit, uh, His indwelling. We are children of God, and He declares that, and He makes that uh, known to us, and nothing separates us from the love of of God in Christ Jesus. And so you you need that chapter 8 in order to carry on. Now, these next eight chapters are are all about how to live out the Christian life and and what it means, very practical ways. Some of those... Things are challenging to us, as we'll find in, in chapter 8, loving those who hate you, for example, uh, submitting to governing authorities. <laughs> these things are like, oh, wee, ooh, well, how do I do, how, how am I going to do this? Understanding also we have another, we're dual citizens in here, and we have another citizenship in heaven, and and we'll get to that. And, and as I was looking at some of these uh, sermons that I want to deliver here, I'm Picking portions now, not just doing a verse by verse. But some of them, I did notice that I have preached on uh, topics that I refer to Romans, like I, a couple of years ago I preached on um, spiritual gifts, and that obviously is Romans chapter 12, verses 3 through 8. I'm not going to repeat uh, the sermons that we heard recently, so I'm not I'm not following straight through and. Uh, praying about it, asking the Lord what would be the next sermon. And, and this next one is, is uh, these next two, this week and next week will be on Christian love. And this one I'm calling 1.0. And next week you'll understand why that it's 2.0. Uh, it's, 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 it's a call of a, a love that is unheard of in this world. It's an impossible love, but only by the grace of God. So, If you turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 12, we're going to look at verses 9 through 16. Um, If I were to do it all the way through, I would do 9 through 21, but we're going to do 9 9 through 16 today, and I'll probably pull out one verse out of this one and put it in next weeks because it's more applicable to the 2.0, and that would be verse 14. But I'm going to go ahead and read 9 through 16. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with God's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Father, I thank you for your word. I pray that you would speak to us through your word, that we would have open hearts Uh, and and ears to hear what what your message is. Not my message, your message, Lord, through this. Speak to our hearts through this portion of Scripture. And Holy Spirit, we just rely on you to apply that in our lives. May we be known by our love for one another. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, I have to admit, uh, prior to meeting a a group in the uh, slippery Rock, uh, Campus Crusade for Christ. I, I knew nothing of true love prior to that. I grew up in Charlottesburg in a little apartment uh, second, on the second floor, a one-bedroom apartment. There were seven of us. And uh, I grew up with a dad that loved me, and I, and I felt his love. But it was somewhat canceled out by my mother's treatment of me. I, I wasn't aware of this at the time, but she had an unchecked bipolar mental issue along with the Valium addiction. And uh, so the the abuse was mental and physical, and I'm only gonna say unusual. Uh, And so I'll leave it at that. I was guarded, therefore, in my relationships, and I had very few friends, none of my friends whom I would like to bring into my house, even if I was allowed and I wasn't permitted anyhow. (laughs) So uh, when I mustered up enough nerve to attend a Christian meeting at the beckoning of a girl named Linda Kopp uh, at the time. Uh, I was overwhelmed by the love that I saw there. Love for me, love for each other, Uh, the concern that they showed um, for me, for what I was going through in my life, and the the care that they displayed. it It was just so attractive, and I believe that God used this group to display his love in order to draw me to himself. And so I, I take seriously. Jesus wasn't joking when he said, by this, men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. There was no doubt in my mind that these people that I had met on the Slippery Rock campus with Campus Crusade for Christ, they were connected to Jesus and they truly loved one another. It was a love I never knew. It was a love I never experienced. It was not forced. It wasn't controlling. It wasn't fake. It was genuine. Men and women of God, we are called to love at a level deeper than we are humanly capable. Let's admit that. We can't love the way Jesus commanded us to love in our own selves. We are called to love people with the love of God. And so today, I just want us to begin to look at this amazing love that the believer, by the grace of God, is able to display. And by doing this, people will be attracted to the God we serve. So how do we go about, how do we display the love of God. Well, we display the love of God, first of all, by being sincere, by being sincere. Verse 9 says, love must be sincere, hate what what is evil, and cling to what is good. And that word sincere, right off the bat, and you, Paul, Paul Rittus, is actually a, a a word that just simply means without hypocrisy. It's not fake. It's not masked. It's not um, somehow contrived. It's genuine. And where does that kind of love come from? Well, if you remember a couple months ago when we were Romans chapter 5, when it was talking about that kind of hope that we have to have and that hope that doesn't disappoint Romans 5, 5 goes on to say, because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. So if you're wondering where this kind of love could come from, it comes from God. And it's poured into our hearts by way of the Holy Spirit. That's remarkable. And so the the love that the world has is a selfish love. The criteria for the love of the world is if it makes you happy. If you are pleased, that's love. The problem with that kind of love, which isn't love at all, but the problem with that is you fall in and out of love. Love is based on your feelings and that can change <laughs> any day. And that is why I, I believe that we have 50% divorce rate <laughs> uh, in our country. Sadly, and I say sadly, regardless of, of any religious ties. Christians are right in that group. We are two points behind. <laughs> We're at 48. Most people, even Christians, I believe, have the wrong view of love. The expression I hear sometimes in my office in the marriage counseling is, I fell out of love with him, or I fell out of love with her. The love of God does not come and go. And so the so-called love of the world, the love that it displays is false because it does not stand under the the test of time. It doesn't stand under the pressures of this life. And so it becomes exposed for what it is. It's it's a fake, cheap version of true love. I love you uh, when you please me version. Since true, sincere love is from God, it has two qualifiers, and those two qualifiers we see. First of all, it hates evil. Uh, let me say this. Love today is often described as nothing more than a sexual act. But in the world, it's reduced to this, and that is sad. <laughs> because that's how it's portrayed every time you turn around, and I guess it sells in Hollywood. We are to hate that which is evil. True, true love is not sinful, therefore. People who are in a sinful relationship thinking that it's love, it's not. There are adulterous relationships, sex outside of marriage. There are uh, fornication relationships, sex with somebody you're not married to. There are homosexual relationships, and that's sex with someone the same sex. Any of these, and sometimes we highlight one more than the other, and we think this is worse, this is the worst sin, and this is the worst. No. That cannot be true love, not according to God's word. By the way, these aren't my words. I I don't set the standard for love. God, the author of love, does. And by the way, I might add this, pornography is evil. Jesus is the one who said, but I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in, in his heart. It's a pretty high standard from Jesus. And so if you're married, I'm just saying, um, God's word, not mine. Every click, by the way, um, if you're clicking into these uh, pornographic sites, you're putting money in the pocket of an industry Regardless if you pay a dime for it, because with all the clicks, they get the, all the commercial support, and that's just putting money when what is being done to these young drug girls is evil. And so we are to, we are to hate evil and come away from that. And how can you say to your wife, I love you, and at the same time, you have a desire in your heart for all these women? So hate what is evil, and on the other side of that, cling to that which is good clinging on to that which is good what does it mean to cling on to what is good well love promotes goodness the goodness of god not just what is good for me <laughs> since love always does good you know it's it's interesting when you when you look at that word cling it just means cemented it means glued like you're 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 I, if I want to show love to you, I will be constantly thinking of what is good for you. What will bring God's goodness to the surface? I was, I was uh, counseling a fellow several years ago, not from this church. He had an affair and it, it was breaking up the marriage and they were separated at the time. He said, oh, I, I want to reconcile with my wife. I want to get to get back together with her. We were sitting in a restaurant and and he said, my wife wants to come over this weekend and get some things out of the house. I don't know what to do. I said, you don't know what to do? <laughs> I would, first of all, repent before God, the sin that you did that is breaking up the marriage. I would heartfully and painstakingly tell my wife how sorry I am, and then As far as coming over to the house, just just open up the door and say to your wife, all that I have is yours. Take whatever you want. Well, instead, at at the request of his lawyer, he had the locks changed. They were divorced in weeks. That's not love. Love always does good. And sometimes this calls for tough love, we know, where you have to do something hard for someone's good because love clings to what is good, and so giving money to a person that's a drug addict is not good, and helping a person who's heading the wrong direction is not good, and therefore there is some tough love. And I know when it's family, that's heartbreaking, and it is hard. But don't think that you're loving if you're enabling sometimes that makes, you know, the, the situation at hand, it just makes it easier at the time. You just, here's some money. There go help yourself. But it leads to a worse situation for all parties in the future. Hate would that which is evil and cling to that which is good. So be sincere in your love. Secondly, be devoted. Be devoted. Be uh, devoted. Verse 10 says, be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. If we are to display God's love, we need to be devoted and not like the surf of the sea, up one day and down another. And so when you love somebody, it's not based on feelings. It's based on that commitment. You're in it for the long haul. You know, in churches, occasionally you have disagreements. I, know, I see that shock look on your faces. Um, yeah, you'll have you'll have disagreements at church, but you know what? Love doesn't change. You're going to have different approaches, different suggestions, but love doesn't waver. At home, different members of the family will see things differently. But the the family is bonded together in love. You know, there are so many churches that split over the most ridiculous things. They'll they'll split over the color of the carpet, (laughs) Uh, the position of the organ. By the way, these are true things that that churches have splits over. Uh, Some of them are so ridiculous, I don't even want to share them. But what does that tell the world when they see the church with an absence of brotherly love. (laughs) Well, the world needs to see us love one another. You know, the word brotherly love there is, is that word philos, that brotherly love, from which we get the word Philadelphia, right? The city of brotherly love. And I was just looking yesterday just to get an idea of where they were in their brotherly love. Halfway through 2021, they're at 250 murders. From, that's from January 1st to, to, through June 30th. Halfway through, they're at 250. And so that's on track to, to, to even break last year's record by one if they keep the record up, because last, last year they had 40, 499 murders. The city of brotherly love. Well, we are to have true brotherly love, the church is different. And how are we different? Well, we need to show brotherly love. And, and, and there are two qualifiers for that also. First of all, by, by honoring one another, respecting one another. Romans 12, verse 10, the latter part, honor. It, 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 that is to elevate somebody, get them out of a lowly place, encourage them, treat them with respect. How? How? Well, the second part of that is by displaying humility. Verse 10 doesn't say the word humility, but it certainly describes it, doesn't it? Honor one another above yourself. And in order to do that, you need to humble yourself in order to elevate somebody else. Certainly sounds very familiar, this uh, this verse, right? It sounds a lot like Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should not look not only to your own interests, but also to the interest of others. You cannot show love without humility. Those two things go hand in hand, and we need to love one another and by Uh, by honoring each other and making it less about us and more about others. Thirdly, we need to understand that we're serving the Lord when we love one another. You and I cannot uh, get worn out showing love to one another, especially those who are unlovable, if we understand that we're serving the Lord when we love one another. There's a way to be supercharged, and that is In verse 11, never lacking in zeal, but keeping your spiritual fervor, what? Serving the Lord. (laughs) So we're serving the Lord. We can go on and on displaying God's love when we realize that we're serving God, not man. And so even the most unlovable people we can love because we have the love of God and we're serving the Lord by doing so. If we have true zeal for God, if we have a spiritual fervor to serve Him, our love will be constant and it will be deep. The people who uh, love others much, you know that those same people love God much. You walk away from an encounter of somebody who loves God, you know that they've been with God they have all of his characteristics, and they, they show grace, and they show mercy, and they show peace. And why do we do that? Well, we do that because we were loved, <laughs> right? We love because he first loved us. You know, in that verse, it, it's followed by two more verses, and let me share those. If anyone says, and this is First John chapter 4, verses 20 and 21, if anyone says, I love God, yet hates his brother, he is a liar. <laughs> you believe that? Scripture calls us a liar when we, when we love him, but we hate somebody else. When we hate a brother. For anyone who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, cannot love God, whom he has not seen, and he has given us this command, whoever loves God must also love his brother. What a command and a a rather enjoyable one to fulfill. So we must have a a zeal for God in order to love others. Fourth, we can display the love of God by showing hope and patience and prayer. Prayer. Romans chapter twelve, verse twelve: Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer. I love this the way this is written, especially uh, not, not just to have hope, but to have joyful hope. You know, to experience joy and hope. And so, hope. You know, where is our faith? How can we love others when we are fearing the future, when we aren't trusting God? It's hard to love others when we're worried to death. Because all you're thinking about, you're just consumed with your own problem. And so if you're joyful in hope, I know the Lord's going to work this out somehow, you can show love to other people. And then patience in affliction. It's also hard to... To love others when you're going through a difficult time and that's all you're thinking about and, and, and you're just anticipating uh, gloom and doom. But when you're patient in affliction, you can show love to others and at the same time anticipate God's intervention in your life. So when you're showing love to someone else and they say, I don't even know how you're showing love to me right now because of what you're going through. Oh, God's going to get me through that. I'm, I'm just waiting on the Lord. That's a remarkable testimony. And that reminds me of Edna. Edna Hart. Patient in affliction. And then what better way to show love than to be praying for people, going to the throne with their needs, being faithful in prayer, and then telling them. I'm Not to put her on the spot, but more than any comment that Linda has made to me, probably in the hundred letters that she has given me, from the time we were dating all the way up to today, when she says in there, I'm praying for you over and over again. In fact, yesterday when I left, she said, I'm praying for your, the memorial service that God might speak through you, and I'm praying for the service tonight as you deliver it at the Saturday night evening service. And it was just one more way. It's just, it's just a beautiful way of saying, I love you, I love you, I love you, and conveying that love. We display the love of God by letting... Others know that we are faithfully praying for them. And so we have in our own family have been blessed over and over again by individuals saying, Pastor, we pray for you and your family every day. And what are they saying to us? I love you. We display the love of God also by sharing what we have, sharing what we have. Because love isn't stingy. Love doesn't hold on to stuff. Verse 13 says, Share with God's people who are in need. and Practice hospitality. And so there are some people who are constantly showing the love of God by giving what they have away. Uh, isn't that remarkable? Don't you just see love just kind of Come out of this. Individuals like you. It doesn't matter if they're rich or poor. (laughs) These people are like if, if they if you say you need something, it's like here, here's my shirt. You know what 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 is it that you need? Oh, you like that? In my house, here, take it with you. Like they just like just constantly giving. No, I, I agree. I mean, I'm sure I can almost hear people think, well, you want to be responsible and give away the farm, you know. But people have so much more than they need. And if you don't, if you haven't realized that, you probably haven't moved recently. <laughs> you know? Because isn't that true? <laughs> I, I'm not sure if Andrew's listening to this or not today, but um, I just helped them move. We made three trips to the dump. (laughs) Scripture says, start with God's people. There are needs in our congregation. And by the way, if you're in need in this congregation, please let us know because you're actually hurting the church. If there are people in need and we're not helping our own people, we're not going to be blessed by God. Allow us to be blessed by helping you. And, and state those needs and make sure you state them clearly. I'm uh, this is, i really stuck here. I'm up against it. We need to be helping one another. And there is something beautiful about hearing various people within the church helping each other in Christian fellowship and, and blessing one another. And I love how the verse ends with these two words, practice hospitality, have an open-door policy. I love the book by Cory Boone, *The Hiding Place*, the triumphant true story of Corey Tim Boom. <laughs> and uh, and if you if you've seen the movie based on the book, it's 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 they do a great job of conveying what it was like to be a, a German family helping Jews uh, during the, the time of the Holocaust, and and so at one point, Casper, um, Corey's, Corey's father is being loaded onto the back of a truck along with his family because they, they, were, they were found out that they are hiding these Jews, and so now they're going to pay their time in the concentration camp. And so uh, Corey's dad, uh, Casper, is just a solid, loving Christian man, and he, the, the Gestapo chief leans forward, she writes, I'd like to send you home, old fellow, I'll take your word that you won't give us any more trouble. And she, and, and she can just hear this conversation going on. She said, I, could see my fa- I couldn't see my father's face, but I could see his, his erect carriage of his shoulders and the halo of white hair above them. But I heard his answer. And his answer was this. If I go home today, and he said it evenly and clearly, Tomorrow I will open my door again to any man in need who knocks. And so he goes to he goes to prison he goes to the concentration camp and there he dies. Is your household so busy that you have no time to open your door in Christian love? Share what you have. Share what you have. Now, I'm going to skip down to verse 15. I'm going to skip over 14. 14 will be in next week's sermon. But here's another way to show the love of God. Rejoice, Scripture says, with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn. And so we do this by sixth, meeting people where 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 they are. Meeting people where they are. There is a time to mourn and a time to Rejoice. We would have to be so self-centered to not rejoice with people that re, are rejoicing or, or to mourn with those who are mourning. If we are that self-centered, then, then we're, we're like a person who has no friends, no desire to know what, what's going on in anyone else's life. We're just kind of myoptic. You know, it's just what's in front of us, what is, what is good for us and what is bad for us, what's going to bring us joy. And, and we're going through something sad and we're going to do it ourselves. But if all we're concerned about is ourselves, then we will never cry or we will never cheer with anyone else. How beautiful is it when people enter into your joy? Whether it's a birth of a child or a grandchild. Amen, Dwayne? Yep. He was running around telling everybody, what's the name of your baby girl now? Your new baby granddaughter. Ellie, beautiful, and she's a big one. 10-8? That's a big one. Oh. But isn't it beautiful when people enter into your joy? You're excited and you have this, the, this child or you get a promotion and people aren't jealous. They're like, that is really great. That'll be that'll serve you and your family well and you, you're just going to do great at that job or you go on a vacation, you have a good time and somebody's not jealous of you, but they're like, you needed that. And I'm, I'm so glad that you were able to be refreshed instead of saying, oh, yeah, well, yeah, it must be nice, you know. <laughs> and then there's a time to mourn. You come alongside, you put your arm around somebody, and you cry with them. And, and you encourage them. You drop them a note or you bring them a meal. Those acts of, of love when they lose a loved one or, it's, or, it's, or something critical has happened... And on that note, by the way, uh, I was talking about Andrew and Lexi, but he and his wife were just overwhelmed with the kindness that you have as a church shown them. <laughs> with the birth of their their little daughter, and now they're moved to Jacksonville, uh, Florida, the church has spoke volumes into their lives with letters and cards and gifts and meals and I just just want to thank you on their behalf for all of that. It's just been—it's just another way that the church has shown the love of Christ. Finally, associate Scripture says with the lowly. Now I know some of you probably want to break into "Friends in Low Places" by Garth Brooks, and I don't know—I don't know the song, so it's probably like a really bad song or something. So don't quote me on that one. But seriously, in verse 16, it says, live in harmony with one another. Well, my wife and I accomplished that. (laughs) Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. You know, somebody once said, you can tell a lot about a person by the people who sit around their table. And that's true. Some people will be shocked when they get to heaven and they see who's sitting at the marriage feast of the Lamb. People of all walks of life, of every race and every nation. If you want to get a taste of heaven, you should be able to go to any Christian home and look around their table. The only people with a closed-door policy are those who are proud and conceited we have to be reminded that we are called to love at a level that we are humanly incapable of. And that we are called, however, to love people with the love of God. And so just a a few questions just for us to be thinking about this over these next couple of weeks. First of all, are you starting to get an idea of what the love of God is like and how to display it on this side of heaven. Are there some things that you want to change regarding perhaps your lack of displaying God's love? And then finally, and I'll put this one up here, what can you do today or even this week to display God's love? And I'm just going to encourage you to pray and then act. (laughs) Pray that God lays that on your heart. Like, what is it, Lord? How can I, how can I turn it up a notch? How can I display your love? Because it shouldn't be something forced. You shouldn't be like, oh, now we need to do this and put this on your list. If it's forced, it's not, it's not sincere, right? And we're called to have a sincere love. Don't fake it. Just let the Holy Spirit lead. He, just, he lays things on our hearts all the time. Well, next week, it's turned a notch uh, where we not only love the lovable, <laughs> God's people, but we love the unlovable. And so come in here, love, Christian love 2.0. Lord, we thank you that you have first loved us. We also thank you that, God, you poured. J- your love into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. And so we can't say we're not, we, we, we can't do this. We can do it not in our own power, but we can actually do it by the power of the Holy Spirit in, in a remarkable way. And I just pray that we would be known and people that pass this church would say, well, that's the church that, that helped us here. That's the church that showed their love to us here. That's the church that prays for us and reaches out to us. May we be defined as your disciples by the love that we show. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.